This is GWC podcast number 358, recorded January 27th, 2013. In this episode, Sean rules on girls' underwear. I daydream about Cockknocker, and Audra has to pee. But first, your hosts, three unrepentant sci fi geeks. I'm Chuck Cage. And one day you end up a big evil, you know, crap ass. And with me, Audra Hester. If I had a nickel for every time I got boned at the Eye of Jupiter, and Sean O'Hara. <laughs> I shall fart. <laughs> Our mission enjoy new science fiction, fantasy, and other cool stuff every week and share the experience with you. Oh, yeah, and have some fun in the process. GWC is brought to you largely by the generosity of listeners like you. It's your donations that keep us going. For more information on how to donate, visit galacticwatercooler.com slash support. And the fine folks at audible.com. Visit www.audiblepodcast.com slash watercooler for your free audiobook. Of course, we'd love to hear your opinions, too. So if you have something to say or, hey, you could introduce us to something new, don't just holler at your MP3 player. Give us a call at 214-296-9229. That's 214-296-9229, extension 701. And leave us a voicemail for inclusion in a future show. Better yet, you can join the GWC community, a group widely recognized as the friendliest people in sci-fi, and watching, reading, and enjoying all kinds of cool stuff 24-7 over on galacticwatercooler.com, our website, blog, and forum. GWC is a spoiler-free podcast, and we define spoilers as definitive information regarding material not yet released in the United States or its country of origin. In short, if it's out, it's fair game. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome. Indeed. Uh-huh. <laughs> my mouth is frozen. <laughs> I'm in ice drink. I'm in my mouth is frozen. Talking about it, ice drink. That's awesome. That's awesome. I hate it when that happens to me at work. I'll bring an awesome smoothie from home or something, and my mouth will still be frozen for like 20 minutes like, after uh, I get there. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Check it out. I'm doing a vocal fry. <laughs> <laughs> Have you heard all this stuff about vocal fry lately? Yes. No, no. What's yeah. that? What's yeah. that? It's uh it, it's basically doing that with your voice. It's that kind of like, uh, you know, like well. it, imagine like Tara Reed speaking or it's that creakiness. Oh, okay. Kind of like, you know, fry like F R Y? F R Y. Yeah. Huh. And it's like frying thing. bacon in a pan that's your... I'm kind of exaggerating it too much, but it's like, you know, this thing. And it's this creaky noise in the back that... Um, she is so conceited. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> nice. <laughs> like um, That sounds practiced. Yeah. A little bit. <laughs> anyway, linguists are, are have been noticing a pattern. It's been actually developing over like 10, 20 years, but they've been noticing a pattern of young women doing this. There's a cool article... Um, last week that was talking about how young women are these vocal and linguistic innovators more so than a lot of other groups. And they don't really know why, but they see young women picking up on this vocal fry, um, and that, that creakiness. And they, they played all these video clips, like dozens of them crammed together of, of girls talking like teenage (laughs) and college age and 20 somethings. And, yeah, and it's kind like of like Stacy from the Fashion Club, you know. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that that sort of creakiness, you know. And they were saying, um, uh, "What's her name, Chuck?" Uh, from she was in the Hitchhiker's Guide movie. She played Trillion and Zoe Deschanel. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, Zoe Deschanel is kind of famous for doing that a lot, and um, a couple other celebrities that are sort of the the vocal fry spokespeople. But it's supposed <laughs> to be this kind of sexy thing well and they've done several studies where boys or guys of the same age groups that these girls are innovating in uh find it so they're calling it now extremely uh extremely advanced sexuality as far as the guy's concerned it draws them incredibly faster than any other mode of speaking in their age in their respective age groups like the more they do it the more the guys are just into them yeah, it's so interesting because I think that what they're saying is that a lot of women are doing it without necessarily being conscious of Realizing it. Realizing it, yeah. But they're sort of developing oh. the pattern, developing the habit without 
you know, and the example that they gave before was maybe 20 years ago or, or so where it was young women who innovated the up talk, you know, like where everything that you say sounds like at a the question. End sounds like a question. Uh, yeah. And a lot of people joke that that's kind of a like SoCal type thing, but it was pretty widespread in a lot among a lot of young women for a while there. Uh, still is in some ways, but you know, it, it's interesting because. I guess, I mean, part of my master's thesis was on this type of innovation, more so in terms of lyrics, song lyrics and stuff. But I remember that. Yeah, it's so cool to, to look up. It had the coolest title. Oh, which I can't remember now, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it was cool, though. It was like, or why girls should play the drums. Oh, no, that was the other half. That was the one about uh, gendering of musical instruments. Got it. But Which Squeak does play the drums. Well, Indeed, yeah. You know, as much as a three-year-old can play drums. But uh, yeah, we call them. Uh, we have a, a series of of uh, developers at the the place where I'm working, and and the girls all talk that way. We call them the the fry talkers. And <laughs> That's awesome. <yeah>. Wait, <laughs> like the Navajo. Yeah, you know exactly. Like, yeah. Fry the fry talkers, because <laughs> they all talk like that, and, oh, wow. and it's more when they're Frank talking. Can't watch though, or he has to pay a hundred, or he has to pay a hundred. Yeah. <laughs> uh, have you done that? Well, I'm almost done, but I need a little more time. You know, I mean, they they talk like that a lot, but they we've noticed that they do it three times more with talking to men. Yep. Huh. Than they do women. Oh my god! I did it the other day when I was in class. <laughs> oh crap! No, I was talking I about something, either. and I made a little joke, and then I kind of fell off and went like that. And I was like, "Oh my god! I, I just did a vocal fry. <laughs> I'm, I'm vocal yeah. frying to my students. I can't do that." <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so we, yeah, we call them the fry talkers, but it's it's like under under twenty two, almost every one of them do it. It's weird. Were you guys ready for some news? <laughs> I was trying to do a news vocal fry. News. 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 And now, Galactic Water Cooler. So we got to jump in with the biggest news. <laughs> we have news that trumps all other news. It's this, true. This is so big that the news stories like spawned lots of little other news stories about people people saying, no, you can't believe everything you hear. And no, it's just a rumor. And then all these arguments about, you know, whether we're too gullible when it comes to sci-fi news. And <laughs> oh, God. So the one thing that I, I, I think burned me completely out this week were all of the, the lens flare jugs. It's like every single person had to make the lens flare joke like it was original and new. And my Facebook feed was completely full of lens flare jokes. For, I like the lens yeah. flares. I do too. No, I do too. <laughs> Absolutely. We just watched Devil's Do. Which like makes it even, even harder to see the whole... Anyway, the big news, of course, J.J. Abrams, uh, by, all, by all accounts, is going to direct the new Star Wars we're going to see. So I'm sure everybody already knows this. What's all, it? all three of them or just the the first one? Nobody knows. Just the first one, as far as anybody knows. <laughs> Neither does he. He doesn't know. Yeah, really? <laughs> yeah, I mean, probably, I don't know yeah. if he... Yeah, but... <clears throat> well, that's awesome, I think. Well, that was my thought. I mean, my first thought when I saw that was, is I'm like, wait a minute. Let me get this straight. You know, the guy that directed the super awesome new track is now going to direct new Star Wars for the company that gave us Tron Legacy and the Avengers. How can I'm that like, be how can bad? this be bad? It's like and Pirates of the Caribbean, yeah, yeah. And, and 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 yeah. This is what GWC has been advocating <laughs> from the beginning, which is a coming together of Star Trek and Star Wars fans. Because when you have two things that are that awesome, you should not have to choose. And and that's it. Crossing I mean, over, yeah. And there's been obviously a lot of outcry. You know, the first thing being uh, Lynn's fair, blah blah blah. The second thing being. I think all of the the original series of of uh, you know of three movies is all that actually exists and everything outside, which always kind of amazes me because the Star Wars universe, one of the most widespread, you know, organized, you know, expanded universe kind of situations ever, right? <laughs> so when they look at it, I mean, seriously, well, like the franchise it, has never the been... The franchise proliferates like holes and cheese, dude. Yeah. I mean, it just kind of morphs... Uh, uh, there are so many spurts and offshoots and 
and concentrations of stories in Star Wars, you really can't count, oh, it's three movies and out. It's not. It's yeah, not even I just, more close. I can't see that, you know? So now, now one of the things that I heard was that, well, I just don't want them to do what they did with Trek. And, you know, it worked okay, I guess, with Trek. <laughs> and it's like, no, it worked fracking brilliantly with Trek. Let's, let's be honest, okay? Step two uh, tweeted the other day, what if JJ stands for Jar Jar? <laughs> <laughs> the Jar Jar will become awesome. Yeah. Yes, and that's it. Somehow we'll end up liking him because he's, but no, seriously. I think that the, if I had to speculate early on, I think that the uh, alternate universe situation like you saw in, in Trek is something that's very unlikely to happen with Star Wars for, for two reasons. Uh, one, because it just doesn't. I mean, Star Wars has never been... Star Wars is a very curated universe, you know, much more so than Trek. Trek has a bunch of crap that doesn't fit together. And I say crap. I use crap for good and bad things. It, there are, A lot of them are really cool, but there's a lot of conflicting stuff in, in Trek. <clears throat> Not so with, with Star Wars. Star Wars, at least when it was handed to, to Disney was very well organized. It is organized. a timeline, and it follows the timeline. It's a very large timeline with a lot of stuff going on. Yeah. There's a so, lot of spurs, a lot of offshoots and everything, but it follows the main crux of the story always. I mean, there's there's never a time where you're going to mess up with... You know, you're not going to see alternate universe Luke Skywalker. No. It's not going to happen. No. I don't think so. Well, at least... Up until this point, it's not going to happen. I would I think be really surprised. And and the second one was my reasoning for that, which is what you just kind of said, Sean. It's that there's so much out there. There are so many places that you could start that could be anywhere from slightly different to dramatically different, you know, to the same. That there's all, that there's just no reason to do that. With Trek, you kind of had to do that in order to do where they were go where they were headed. You know, and Star Wars is fantastic. Boldly go, yeah, where they were headed. Star no, Wars is bold, fantastic. Right. Like Star Trek is grouped around these certain uh, circles of characters. You know, on a ship, on a space station, on that kind of stuff. You, that's that's the crux of of the show or the the titling or whatever the the IP that you're doing. It's always around these groups of people absolutely star wars by its very nature assembles a group of people from absolutely everywhere they go <laughs> yeah all the characters are relatively it's true. Our interesting. introduction to it brought in like different species holy different crap planets, you know, they're different... not even the same galaxy sometimes you know i mean they're just uh, you're like okay well that's different and they keep introducing these characters and all of them are interesting i mean a throwaway character boba fett has has you know, stories written about him. He has the, the life and times that we learned about his son or his father. I mean, the whole thing, it became a big thing just his from a guy. Django Unchained Fett. Yeah. <laughs> Nicely done. That was, that was <laughs> yeah. A little fist bump there. Uh, yeah, a little, little fist bump. I have to do that. But, I mean, just from, she's no good to me or he's no good to me dead. You know I mean? And a nod. I mean, that's that's literally all he said for two movies. <laughs> it's true. I mean, it's just, it's ridiculous. And uh, still, even the Screen Actors Guild was like, I don't know if that's enough. To I don't know if a it card, counts. Really. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. But you get that much from one single character, and there's hundreds of them. I mean, Star Wars is really ripe for that kind of thing. They mention the Clone Wars in the first movie. They do an entire series about it now. I mean, it, it's so ripe for expansion that you don't really know how far you can go because no one's really tried. Star Wars. Now, I think the other thing that that you might, I think we're not necessarily going to see a a seven eight nine situation either. I actually kind of hope we don't. Yeah, I, I don't either. I mean, I, I mean, I do. I, we, I agree with you. If we do, the, cool. I'll watch it. I mean, that's obvious. Yeah, absolutely. But with the success of of stuff like Clone Wars and and Bigs Darklighter and all that kind Biggs. of Bigs. This you can take I love it, it when you call me big dark lighter. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's just so many options, you know, there it, is. There's there's a lot of options. I love to see where it can go. And I like exploring more of the universe because there's a really a lot we haven't touched yet. I think I think the other kind of limitation to that. Uh, oh, it's just got to be like those three movies from the 70s, you know, and 80s. And I'm like. I think that's wrong. Yeah, I agree. I, I mean, I yeah, I, I I'm not down with that. And I but the world is exactly as th the same as it was in 1977. How could that be wrong? Yeah, and yeah. and beyond that, those those actors are not going to work anymore. 
it's just everything is it, th- that time is great and that time is yeah, over. Star Wars wasn't you know? that bad. I think they'll still get work. Yeah, they are. That's the point. <laughs> Harrison Ford has had a few things to do. Couple, couple of things. Couple things. Yeah, and uh, um, not in demand at all. No, right now. I can. Luke uh, Mark Hamill made the best freaking Joker in the Batman series ever. You ever <laughs> you ever heard it? Oh, he's amazing. But uh, he's doing all kinds of. But anyway, the, I don't just bother had to explaining it. it. He's only thinking about cock knocker. I was. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's the first thing that popped in my head. I can't help it. I always thought that was cool, by the way. If if you can accept and make fun of yourself and the stuff you do, that's just a huge plus in my book, you yeah. know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's 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 a means of survival, especially in that industry. Yeah, uh, no kidding. But there's so much you can do. Even the new Star Wars. I mean, J.J. Abrams was tasked with doing a Star Trek like the old Star Trek, and he still managed to make it new and fresh and awesome and yeah, I think it is it is what you're saying here that he was given a much more difficult task. Yeah, with Trek, and he and pulled he still it off. Pulled it off beautifully. Here, this is going to be great. You're given a lot more. Disney has invested. They are behind the system. They are behind the project. They are behind the IP. You're giving it to a person who is able to do miraculous things with, albeit good material, but tight restrictions. Here, I don't think he has as much restrictions. And he has, and this is the trick. A lot of people are given, okay, you, you got free reign. Do what you need to do. Go. And they take it way off in left field. And you're just, well, where the hell did that come from? I don't think he'll do that. You know what I'm kind of excited about is that if Star Trek Eleven, if we look at that as kind of our main evidence here for how he would renew a series that has like a big established base, <clears throat> I think that what was... One thing that was really cool about the last Trek movie was that there was this kind of savvy, um, like it was smartly done. And it felt like it, it felt like it expected a certain level of like keeping up from the audience. You know, it kind of. Oh, I know what um, you're saying. Yeah. yeah like it, it's entertaining, but it doesn't talk down to the audience and it, it doesn't kind of oversimplify everything to the lowest common denominator. So there's that kind of savvy, that kind of um, that subtleness where you understand that there are many messages being sent on different this levels. This is an audience know? that can handle Lost and Sherlock. You know, yeah, I mean, we exactly, can, exactly. We can, you can come, you can check in below that a little bit in terms of what's required, and and, and we're still good. And you the know? thing is, you can make movies that are. I think maybe the concern is that you'll lose kids, or that you know, because kids have always been critical to the the fan base of Star Wars. I mean, we've always loved that stuff since we were little, but you don't have to make a kid movie in order to make a movie that appeals to kids. So I think that. J.J. Abrams, if he does kind of the same thing where he'll take the Star Wars franchise and turn it into a savvy movie that is very appealing to adults and um, and is, you know, uh, complex and rich in those same ways, you can still have a movie like that that appeals to kids in, in different levels. So I, would, I, I hope that that's what they well, do. And I would hope that he... Sorry, Chuck. No, no, go ahead. It's cool. I would hope that he would, because there's there's a line to ride with that. Yes, you can make it appealing to kids, but you don't have to talk down to them, Jar Jar Binks. But you can still make a a statement for kids or or something that might appeal to them or or maybe Ewoks are a good example. They were put in to be small little teddy bears and everything and, and be cute and cool. But A, they were central to the story. B, they were awesome. I mean, they killed this these giant technological things with logs and rope. Um, they had a significant yet primitive culture. They valued things that we value and, and that are important for the story and everything. And these little things that people wrote off made a huge impact on a lot of people's lives and helped because it was the right thing to do. Uh, and that their homes had been invaded. That was, I think JJ Abrams will pick the Ewok line more than Jar Jar Binks if given the oh, choice. Yeah. You know, he will make something appealing, but still not talk down to you. I I would really like to see, and, and I realize that that this is probably not, there. There's this question of will they will they stick relatively close in the timeline uh, to to the kind of movies we've already seen, or will they depart completely? Because we have two really <clears throat> really popular and unexplored on on 
you know, on the bigger small screen franchises. You know, we have we have uh, Knights of the Old Republic, which is extremely well explored in the comic world and video games and too. games, right? Yeah. You know, uh, that we can thank Knights of the Old Republic, uh, you know, on Xbox for Mass Effect. I mean, it's it's the direct progenitor of Mass Effect. It is, right? <clears throat> it is, and Dragon Age, and every one of those Absolutely. that came after it. So yes, and much good stuff. Yeah, and uh, and and I think that Knights of the Old Republic could very well be an awesome place to land, where we can have new people and new characters, and still tie to the. It's thousands of years before, but we could still tie to the feeling of what we're seeing later without having to show the inputting on the suit. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. In order to tie them together, and then the other one that I I, I think is less likely, but still might also also be fun, is the uh, relative future, uh, where the legacy comic series takes place. You know, in the legacy series, you have a you have some of the uh, the Skywalker progeny. Yeah, Solo's children as well. Yeah, and and they're very different people with different problems, and and it's a very different world, and yet uh, there's that tie. So I think either way, we could totally. I would love to see them explore one or the other, and if I had to lay my money down, if they were not going to stick really tight, like with, you know, with Comores, which is just butting right up against it, you know? So is that what you meant by seven, eight, and nine type of thing? Is it a tight, no. like... Yeah, Lucas originally had written a story uh, before, and, and this is kind of uh, at least the lore, right? Is right. that he'd written an, a nine-part story uh, and, and ended written up with... Written is a loose word, but yeah. Sketched out the sketched concept out yeah, yeah, yeah. For, of this father and son story arc right and that seven would pick up where jedi left off essentially yeah and and they did four five six which is why they called it four five and six right you know and then and then one two and three so i don't think we're going to get seven eight and nine here of his original plan i think we're going to get something else i think that was more lucas's vision yeah than where the star wars universe exists today right wow although i do think that they can do uh, I would agree. I would love to see way past Super Future, um, but they've proven time and time again that you can do present, just not here. You know, Clone Wars is a good example. Oh yeah, um, in games stuff option. like X Wing, you go through Key and Farlander, who was originally part of the Empire and, and defected into uh, Biggs. Uh, did yeah, we can tell a story elsewhere. You can, in you the can tell it. Yeah, a story elsewhere. You don't have to be around the the. That's not a moon. It's a space station to be central to the story of Star Wars. Uh, so I mean, there is a lot of different areas that you could go into. Personally, I would like to see something we haven't seen before. That would be my preference. And and Chuck, I'm sorry that I cut you off. You said that if you had to guess, you think he would go with... If I had to guess if he was going to use one, it would be Knights of the Old Republic because it's such a proven it's really franchise. Strong. Solid. Uh, it's yeah. really yeah. strong. There's a lot of history and... and that ties to the... Yeah, that ties it's important directly. I mean, you can follow it down and, and the logic and the things that happen are central to the story of it later on. It feels kind of like... It feels similar. The it universe does. feels more similar than the future. It does. And I think if you're going to do that, I mean, of course, everybody will, will want to complain. Oh, it's more prequels just further back. But you know what? It's really a different story, but it's important. You still get the same things. And you don't have to be as, you know, it, it's sort of like, uh, I can't even remember the movie, but you're going back in time to like safari hunt dinosaurs and stuff. And if you step on a butterfly, you're screwed. Um, totally. You you don't have to worry about stepping on that that present stuff. It's like okay, well, this character can't be in there because they're technically supposed to be over here because of some right. line that they. No, you can just go far enough back that it doesn't matter. That's that's why my bet would be on Knights of the Old Republic because it's so it's tied to. I think maybe the way to say it is that it's tied together in cultural connection rather than person and physical connection. You know, like when it comes down to it, we're a, th- we're a couple thousand years, you know, actually it's funny you say that uh, you don't have to be like, to that's that's not a moon, that's a space station. You know, it's it's funny because the, the Star Wars universe is pretty much measured in what they call BBY yeah. before the Battle of Yavin. Isn't yeah. that how it's said? Mm-hmm. I always mispronounce it and I always get like 10 emails that I, Yavin, I send it Yavin, Yavin. There's, there's like five different pronunciations yeah. that are popular. Which is which is where they blew up the Death Star, right? Right. So so essentially, like you'll see that it'll be like, you know, uh, two thousand BBY before the Battle of you know, 
<laughs> yeah, but it, yeah, that great. is the central event of the Star Wars. It is. Yeah. yeah. It's like, here it is, because yeah. it's where it started, that is right? the set zero point. There was no Star Wars universe before this, you yeah. know? But uh, in, anyway, I would say, because we're a couple thousand years BBY, right? So I could totally see that being the place where you could, you still feel like the Star Wars universe. You still have events that are important to the universe that you know and love. And yet, and you can have little call outs to, uh, uh, you know, to the game and to other stuff. It'd just be a great place to be. I have to say it too. I think that, and I'm not trying to dictate the art or tell him to like, you know, pen this in just for the sake of it. But I would love if it works out to see, uh, at least one prominent female character who is not stereotypical. I mean, I thought that what Abrams did with um, Uhura, for example, was a really good update, a modernization for modern audiences of what Uhura represents. Uh, very self-possessed and independent, and she can you know, have romances and stuff, but she's not defined by her romantic attachments to a more important male character necessarily. So, I think there's um, even more room for that. Here, because you know, yeah. with as as Sean pointed out, with such a small cast of characters, you if you wanted to say bring in a stronger female character, you're going to have to. She's the answer because that's pretty much it. She's the only one in the group that uh, core group that you're yeah. bringing through. It's hard sometimes because when you're you know? going off of these pre-written stories, right. like for example, with the Lord of the Rings stories, you know, Tolkien did not write a lot of women into the stories. There were just a few that were kind of those uh, elevated. Um, like on the pedestal, sort you know, of. yeah, know like Guinevere saying. kind of characters. Um, so yeah. you know, you can't you can't just like create them out of thin air necessarily, or you can't expect that they would. But well, and sometimes if when it you works. do, yeah, sometimes when you do, it works. Yeah, I mean, and sometimes it's a little bit of a distraction. Example: when they brought in Seven of Nine on on right. Voyager, it was a bit of an event, and there were it was kind of polarizing either way. Now, Seven of Nine is really cool, and she does a lot of cool stuff, and she's a very strong character. But it can be difficult. With this, I don't think it has to be. And there are just, uh, because it was 77 and because it was Luke and it's and all that kind of stuff, there weren't a lot of female characters. There also weren't a lot of female Jedi. With old Knights of the Old Republic, you can change that. Because in the Star Wars universe, they tell you that there are women Jedi. There are women... Sir, um, oh, yeah, there's some... Yeah, they're women Sith. They're you know we haven't even touched Sith witch yet. I mean, there's there's That's all awesome. <laughs> there's all kinds of stuff that you can do to to bring kind of a, a different feel and a different universe into this without really trying. I mean, you don't have to yeah. even explain so it. You can just say, yeah. yeah, this yeah. is how it is. If and that it would if be that fine. were feasible, I would really appreciate that too i think that'd be really cool especially for little girls who are fans of star wars you know how cool would that be that's it the universe is because it's where where trek has kind of there are novels there's some stuff going on Uh, there are comics but um i guess you know it seems like star wars is so much more fleshed out and organized that there's the universe is already that way there are characters there they just pick them up you know they could pick any number of places and start and there's some stories to work with and you don't have to be, and this is the cool thing about Star Wars, you don't have to be an uber expert to feel you have a good good bead on things in Star Wars. Yeah. You can just get it and go and start anywhere you want. And it's not, it's a lot like Marvel Comics. Start where it interests you. It doesn't really <laughs> matter, you know? Absolutely. It would help if you saw the original three movies, but you know what? To watch Clone Wars, it don't matter. You know, it just doesn't. You want to know about Big Star Clark? Go, read. You're going to enjoy it. It doesn't matter. You know, speaking of comics, uh, the Trek uh, Countdown to Darkness series just released its first of four. It's a, a it's kind of a four a, a one off series of four comics. I don't know if you remember, but they did a countdown uh, prior to the 2009 movie as well, and they yeah, released four. Yeah. I did not know that until afterwards, and you told me. Yeah, yeah, yeah I remember you mentioned. And it's IDW comics that that puts them out. They're they're very they're modern. Uh, I guess the best thing to, uh, to describe, they're very much like the uh, kind of dark horse modern graphic look. Sure. and uh, Which is super cool. Oh, yeah. Agreed. Agreed. And the first one just came out there for, I think the last one comes out in April. So they're dribbled out between now and April. Uh, and that puts us in, it's, it's a, it's a literally a lead up in story to the movie. So oh, sweet. It's worth, the comics usually are on sale too when they come out. So a lot of times they're a buck. Uh, if you catch them, worst case scenario, they're a couple well worth 10 or 12 bucks to buy the, if the it's required, set. to buy them as they come out and read them. 
Uh, I, I've read the first one, uh, which is out and it's really cool. It's, it's kind of a, I won't spoil it just cause you can go out and check it out yourself. It's fun. Um, <clears throat> and I have it if you want to read it. Audrey. I do. Yeah. But it's like, um, it, it's clearly going to show the story. I mean, we're already seeing, uh, it's picking up, you know, in the world after, uh, after the end of the previous movie and we're seeing them out doing things. And running into a planet and getting ready to to do some things. I'm being vague on purpose, you know. Nice. But it, it's clearly going to set it up, and it's real exciting. And if you're not checking those out, you should. If you're a Trek fan, man, there's no. Even if you're not a comic person, um, you totally need to do that. And that actually reminds me, uh, Audrey and I watched uh, the latest Big Bang Theory episode. Uh, do you remember that? I'm. T- I don't remember if it had a Is title. It's the one where they uh, oh, they go to the con and yeah. the girls get Thor. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's it. Yeah, yeah. So right. so the guys were dressed up as the uh, Star Trek Next Generation characters. And uh, yeah, and they end up get stranded in the desert halfway to Comic-Con or whatever. And uh, the car gets stolen. And, and what, yeah, what made me think of this was, you know, I said, if you're not into comics, you know, you, you should read this anyway. And it's true. And I thought about uh, how interesting it was watching the uh, watching the women of the show uh, reading a comic book and sitting down and realizing how funny and similar it is to my first experiences reading a comic book as an adult, you know, I sit down and I read it and I'm like, well, I read the book in, I don't know, you know, four minutes. Right. And you're like, why would anybody pay for this? You know, I read this in, in minutes, you Not know, about speed. <laughs> and, and then you realize, you know, the first thing for me, and this is just my experience, you know, the first thing I realized was uh, later on, I'm like, ah, there's more to it than this, you know? And then eventually I started realizing that, that the art is as important as the words, you know? And then I started to realize that the, that the art actually carries quite a bit of story information There's as narrative well. in the art. There is narrative in the art itself, yeah. you know, and you need to understand that. And if anybody is really interested, uh, and you certainly don't have to do this to enjoy them, but if you read a comic book in four minutes and said, I don't understand why anybody, and you, and you really do wonder why, uh, Scott McCloud has a great book called Understanding Comics, and it is a comic book, and it's awesome. It goes in and explains the the narrative process in the art in comic books. Also, subtle things that you don't really pick up on at first are very important, like the way the text is written, what kind of bubble it's in, what color it is. Absolutely. Uh, there's a code that, that, that comics go by, you know, like a, a bubble with other bubbles under it is thinking, you know, this is, you know, if it's written like this, this is the... the way in which it was delivered, you know, or all the that bubbles kind of stuff. with like the lines attached that are dialogue going back and forth between people. Yeah. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff, but it's, it's the, the way it's, it's written is also important. The way it appears on the page is important. The, everything, the layout of the panels is important. Yeah, yeah. It's the it's thickness of the lines, thickness of the lines between them and, yeah. and everything is important. Everything has value and everything has a very specific reason for being there because it is the only thing you get to convey the story. So there's a lot of meaning meaning packed into that. And if you just look at it and don't really understand what you're looking at, you can miss, I would say two thirds of the value of (laughs) maybe more. Yeah. Maybe of the value of the, the actual art. So it's, it's important to look at. You know, I just realized something really weird and interesting when we were talking about how you read comics and how you understand them and, and how the art is such an important part of the narrative. And you really have to pay attention to that. I was thinking about when I read um, the Black Panther comics a few years back, and it was my first real um, experience like as an adult looking and sitting down and being patient and taking time to understand comics. And what's weird is that when I think back about books that I've read, just pure like text novels or whatever, I remember them. It almost feels like it's in a different part of my brain than the way that I remember the comic book stories. When I think about Black Panther, I think about it's very image heavy in my mind because as I was reading the comics, I would spend time to kind of illustrate things, you know, in in the imagination. I would kind of imagine it happening and try to imagine what it would smell like and what it would sound like. So I have these vivid kind of, I don't know, like pockets of heavy visual with like, you know, kind of around a general story. 
So I don't remember necessarily the names and the plot and all that stuff as well, but I have these really vivid memories, almost like I was there when it comes to the comics. When it comes to books, novels, I remember the names of like every character. <laughs> I remember all the, you know, all the symbols and all the, the metaphors and, and particular phrases. And when I actually saw the words in print, I remember particular words. It's almost like it, it stored the comic book reading I'm I'm just guessing here. I don't have any research, but it almost feels like it's stored partly in like the visual memory well, area. It's a different medium. It's it's how you uh it's a cross between visual and book. And it's not like a movie and it's not like a book and it's not even really like animation. It's its own medium and it's one that has not gotten a whole lot of respect in in the modern uh I guess academic society or culture. But at least I would disagree that we have an academic culture. But <laughs> well, no, I no, mean like I, in academic, yeah, academic circles or, or that oh, those yeah, kinds of yeah. people, they don't get a whole lot of recognition or respect for that because of the audience that traditionally they played to. Now that is not the case then or now, but statistically, back in the day, it was for a young child to occupy his time, but it was really a waste. And which is the the They've popular always been view. treated in this country, I feel like, a step below romance novels. That romance novels have always been kind of considered to be worthless reading, but at least it was for adults. Yeah. Where this is like... Worthless reading for a child. Right, exactly. Yeah. And, and, and it's just which not is true. completely not the case. And in fact, some of the, the core values that children uh, can... Or the difficult core values that children can be expressed or express themselves are very elegantly explained in comics and very simply done for them so that they can grasp it and move on quicker. Uh, and the first time I read about loyalty, I didn't even know what the hell it was until I read comics and I understood. It. I'm like, I'm going to be like that. That's going to be important to me. That's cool. And it always has been. And I got that from comics. Uh, in fact, I think it was Robotech. Uh, nice. Basically. That's funny. I feel like I got a big moral education from the Chronicles of Narnia. You know, <laughs> Not surprising. Not surprising. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I was like, you, that's how I want to. I want to be like so a way that Aslan would be proud of. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, but it's you get those type of things. It doesn't really matter where you pick them up. It's how you pick them up, and that you do. And these are a wonderfully expressive way of doing that. I don't think a lot of people understand that that's how it can be viewed, and uh, it's. It's important to, I don't know, because you're right. To get back, all that to say, uh, it's a different medium, and I think it applies to different people directly in their head differently than something yeah, like Yeah, and I can't help but think like that. that maybe people uh, appreciate comics in different ways, but but maybe, I guess, how do I say I'm sorry, well, I'm not being very well, articulate. This but, is why I was, I was trying to point out early on that I think I think there are, there are kind of really a couple of parts to the whole comic experience beyond just that initial, I read it, you know, there's the art like we talked about, you know, but the other one is discussion. And that's why it was so cool in the yeah. in, in Big, ba Big Bang Theory. You saw them like, you know, you saw them walk through the whole stages that takes months, but they compressed it into like minutes on the show, right? Like the first thing they did was read and go, huh? And then they, then they look deeper, right? And then they... Well, they started asking questions like, well, how does Thor's hammer work? Well, how does that work? Yeah. And because everybody gets something different. And everybody of, had a different answer. I think the discussion is a key part of the comic experience. You know, it's like reading it and then and then getting with your buddies and being like, so what did you get from this? Well, what about that? Well, there's not info. Maybe there is. Let's go find out. You know, you yeah. get excited. It's the sense of, and actually not even sense, it is the real, effectual, real life community that goes along with comics that make them more powerful than they already are. It's like, uh, I liken it to like a wolf, you know, a wolf oh, right. is nice. not as dangerous. 30 of them, you have a problem. A problem yeah. yeah. Oh, maybe 10. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, it's, it's an issue that you need to address and it's the fact that it becomes more powerful with the, the added uh, community. Comics are the same way. Comics, there is a wealth and a, a power that comes from the linking of human minds in a common direction. Comics is famous for doing that, and it is part of the legacy that it leaves us. When you're you're into comics or something like that, you grow up. You're still into comics. Your kids are into comics. Other people you know are into comics. It's it's 
It's like the good part of a pyramid scheme, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, I was thinking, you know, as a teacher, it's always on our minds how how people learn, how people process information. And, and one of the hardest things is, you know, when you, you teach uh, writing or, or literature, reading, stuff like that, there are a lot of people who are not comfortable with that medium as much as other mediums. And, you know, sometimes there's not much you can do except just try to help them get more comfortable with it. But uh, I, I think that comics shouldn't be written off as a learning tool because Chuck, what made me think of this is earlier when you mentioned the before the battle, you know, this particular battle, I was thinking sort of with embarrassment, you know, I bet a lot of us remember more of those battle names than we do the battles (laughs) of like the revolutionary war in our own history, you know, or like the battle of Puebla in Mexico, things like that. You remember things that are important to you and that that capture your imagination. Well, (laughs) (laughs) well, I understand, you know, but I'm, I'm not making the argument about whether it's important to you or not, because that's tough. I mean, when you're growing up, it's hard to relate to history sometimes, but what I'm saying is that if you can learn about things in a way that like lights up your brain the way comics do, maybe we would remember things better, you know? Maybe it would be worth investigating, bringing in more. Everyone's all, we're very visual creatures, you know? And instead of relying on just text to, to try to create a picture for us. Well, you know what's you know, funny, too? I think a comics lot Comics of- challenge us to imagine more. Yeah, I think a lot of people look at, at comics sort of like a... Like it's deprecated by better methods of communication. And audio gets this kind of shaft too sometimes. People are like, well, you know, audio is really just just a crap part of video. You know, and if doing anything important in audio is stupid, you should do video. Video is where it is, you know, and it's like, that's just not true. There are, I mean, there are certain things that you can convey better in video and certain things you can convey better in audio. There are certain times where it makes a lot more sense to consume audio than it does video. Like when you're driving, that's worth repeating. Like when you're driving, you know, I I mean, I'm just saying I, I... Audio is a beautiful it medium, is. too. It has things that are special about it. Like the other day on uh, the local NPR station, they had a primer on what is a French press and how to use it. And I thought, are you guys really going to do this completely? In audio? How are you going to do this? You know, and you can. And sure enough, you know, with the right language and the right descriptive words and a little bit of Foley sounds. I mean, you're like, yeah, I feel like I'm really there. And you really can. I, I, it's like, really? Okay, put on deaf headphones and see how you make it through your day. <laughs> yeah. Well, I feel like I feel like comics gets the same shaft a little bit. Like, they same Literally. kind. They look at it and people are like, well, comics are one way that you can do things. But uh, it'd just be so much better if you just made a video or you just, you know, did something, put it online, made it interactive. You know, that's important. Comics are crap, you know? Well, I work in e-learning a lot. And it's adult learning really is what you're talking about. And they've done many studies and a lot of people are a lot of uh, fortune 500, even uh, a few fortune 100 companies that I work with have decided that, uh, and they've done like intensive studies and, and, you know, focuses and and everything as far as uh, adult retention and learning and adult uh, communication uh, capacity and all that stuff. And they have discovered that they get, I can't remember, I think it's like 18% more adult retention if the uh, large concepts are displayed in a comic format over just text video or text audio or something like that. But it is more visually impactful and it is a greater retention rate as far as the core ideas. Maybe not a lot of the details, but the core principles are wildly better represented comic format than some of the other things you might pick in traditional standard adult e-learning or adult learning. And uh, I've even been part of some of those teams to develop those, and I'll be damned if they don't work better. I mean, people have a high response rate on the on the post-tests and can communicate in, in you know word format or, or language format, like a little essay or something like that, what the material they just looked at in in large part was about maybe not some of the details and everything because it's it's really not a detail oriented format. But if you want to get large complex concepts uh, across very quickly, comic format is an excellent way to do that, and it's actually taking root in some of the the adult learning that you have. So it's actually coming back uh, full circle. It's like it's not just for kids. You really can learn well this way. It's impactful and and easily communicable. So. 
Well, I uh, it, just to wrap back. If you if you haven't checked out the the Star Wars, if you're interested in I'm um, if you're interested in tracking the new movie and you haven't checked out the comics, do uh, well worth your money. They have uh, you can get them direct from IDW via an app. Uh, you can I use Comicsology, I think it's called right, nice. uh, which is pretty common and now has Android and and iPad, and they have a web viewer and you can copy your stuff across all of them. So very easy way to do it, but lots of cool ways to get this stuff um, out of this awesome deep discussion into something less deep, but really fracking cool. Uh, I, I saw this on Gizmodo this week, but apparently they've gone all you, you remember that 747 that they built, I don't know, many years ago, actually, and it had a big ass laser in it. And of course, they needed a, <laughs> a they need a, 747s with freaking lasers on there. Sharks with freaking lasers. <laughs> Yeah, but they had like this laser in it, and the idea was that eventually they would be able to use this technology to to target and heat up and destroy or blind missiles that were shot at the at the air, airplane, right? Yeah, you're laughing. You remember this? Yeah. Well, it still reminds me of uh, Real Genius. Hell yes. I know. That's what I was thinking too. Of course, Crossbow. Yeah. But uh, so Gizmodo ran a little piece this week that's really awesome that was talking about how while they did this a while back, uh, they now have this thing uh, that apparently they've been continued to work on it, and uh, and they have a small version now. They're using solid state lasers. I am not an expert, and I do not know how that works. Uh, but this thing will will literally deliver 150 kilowatts, which is enough to like do things, you know, blind missiles, maybe even destroy them. And uh, it's it's small enough. The first one is going to go in a B one bomber. It just keeps going. Val Kilmer just w- just felt a disturbance in the force. I'm telling you. <laughs> but they say that the f- and 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 th- the thing is though, this isn't one of those like pipe dream things. Apparently, where they're like, we figure and here's our our mock up of what. A- yeah. Apparently, they uh, General Atomics and DARPA con- uh, completed fabrication this uh, last year on on it. And in 2013, they're going to be integrating it into the airplane, and the tests are in 2014. So they're saying that the final version of this should be small enough to put on fighter aircraft as well. And uh, the other thing that I I found just as a geek... It blinded them with science. Literally. (laughs) The other thing as a geek that I found really cool was that apparently one of the biggest problems you have with these lasers is not anymore making enough power, which was always the issue, right? I mean, that's why it is M47. Um, now the problem is that you have to deliver the power. And of course, the more that beam is disrupted, the less effective it'll be like the more disrupted by like clouds and air, anything moisture yeah, or unfocused. Cause if you think about it, like the more it disperses, you the know, more it dis- disco and less death ray. <laughs> exactly. Not what we're looking for. Well <laughs> Not said. rave. Well said. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, so the trick here is that they, the turbulence caused by the engines of the airplane jack up the air so much behind it that shooting behind it has been impossible up till now because the the air is in such motion that it diffuses the beam too much and you can't put power on a spot. So they're using this version uh, of the same technology they've used with telescopes. Like uh, up until, I guess, like eight or ten years ago, I think it is, that you just ground telescopes were just crap compared to, you know, the stuff in orbit. And obviously... It's always better to be outside the atmosphere. Well, but, yeah, I mean, but they have these limits of size with the atmosphere because sure. you got to like, put it in the rocket, right? And and even with deployable arrays now and stuff, you still can't make them very big. You can make huge telescopes on the ground, but the air, of course, is all moving around and crap and screws it all up. Well, they made these adaptive mirrors, so it was like a mirror with you know just tons of tiny little mirrors in it that all move around like in real, in real time <laughs> to except that there's if you looked at it, it wasn't right but, no, it but was. they described it adaptive optics um and they really made a lot of, of progress with this to try to predict what the air is doing and move the mirror and adapt it so that it it stays focused Cancels out the, the atmosphere yeah well they're they're apparently able to do that now as well too and they're saying that uh these small lasers mounted on aircraft are going to have this this technology and that will allow them to shoot behind them as well this is pretty damn sweet. Yeah, I gotta ask. This is kind of a, a huge looming question. I mean, I know there's a lot of kind of ethical debate uh, over the controversy of drone warfare, right? Oh now. yeah. And is this going to be one of those things that replaces 
drones or, or rather might they use drones with lasers on them drones will be out of work so that basically you could just destroy anybody or anything no from- this is i i don't get the feeling that this is designed as a primarily offensive weapon because even at the 150 kilowatt point you know it's just putting Honestly, a small amount of heat there in are a certain more place. effective ways of assassinating somebody or, and cheaper, or cheaper and easier and easier to do and everything this is really more for a, a i guess i was thinking more heat, of like the surgical strike type thing but again, well, we got way better tools for that yeah now. exactly what this does is allow you to heat up the warhead uh, you know or the the optics blind the optics of a missile that's shot at you oh make it ineffective it, yeah thing. it's it's primarily a defensive weapon it's think it's, of it like chaff or something it's it's Light chaff, you know, it's, it's yeah, that's what but, it does. but more targeted, more and targeted, better, yeah. more, uh, you know, warheads and everything like that. So, yeah, it's it's literally blinding missiles with science. Yeah, <laughs> it is. And uh, and for what it's worth, it would make uh, it would make the battle a lot safer for at least for, for our side. Right. <laughs> Which is the point when yeah. it comes to fighting wars, you know, and, and another part where science fiction really kind of leads science and everything. I mean, you saw that in real genius and that was in 80, whatever it is. I mean, yeah. they still are working on these projects from the eighties, like predator when, you know, the, the military leaders saw the predator's armor. They're like, Oh, oh yeah, we got to have that. <laughs> well, the department of the Navy never really gave up on that. And last year, I think it was, did you guys hear about this? No, the, no. the submarine test, they developed a film that, uh, basically bends the light around it in water and you can make a an object in water literally invisible you cannot see it it's it's light shaping and and it's got like uh reflectors and and different different type of stuff on it where they energize the sheet and it, it's gone you know and now they can Not only helpful do it against a, sonar i guess but no but <laughs> if you wanted to hide something visually yeah i mean that's they 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 can make it work in water it's, it's not, a start. It's a start. Yeah, These things are always that way. It's yeah. a start, you and, know? And it's like, okay, you know, they understand the principles. They can make it work. Now, it only works from a, I, I think it's like a 40 degree view or right. something like that. They're, like, you can be looking at it from a certain degree point, And then once you get past that degree point, you. I'm like remaking the hunt for red October in my head using that tool, you know, <laughs> it's like a very dramatic climactic scene where they use that 40% field to like sneak by. Yeah. But I mean, you can do it. And it's. It, I mean, they're still working on that because it does capture your imagination. Now, what could that be used for? I don't know. I mean, but it's... Give it's, it a few years. Like you said, sonar? Yeah, not really going to be fooled. But uh, give it a few years. They'll find an application. You know what else is a cool start, scientific start? And just a start, but it's pretty exciting, uh, is in the Czech Republic, there's, there is more coming out of the Czech Republic than amazing kolaches. <laughs> and and fruit filled pastries. Good techno. Um, there's a lot of good stuff. Yeah, right now um, at the University of Saint Andrews, and there's a, a a company called the Institute of Scientific Instruments in the Czech Republic. Scientists, Czech scientists, and Scottish scientists are working are working together, and have figured out a way to create an optical field that manipulates light in a certain way to draw objects toward it. It's basically a microscopic tractor beam. <laughs> it is awesome. The, the guy who's leading the team is Dr. Tomas. I, I don't know how to say it, but I think it's Sizmar. C-I-Z-M-A-R. Do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just had to do it because I wanted Sean to say it. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I don't I don't fully understand the science of it, but you can, you can look online and... Um, you can read about this. There's a technique that allows them to provide what they're calling negative force on small, minuscule, microscopic level particles. Um, normally, uh, apparently, when matter and light interact, the uh, the solid object is pushed away by the light. But there's a certain window, a certain uh, situation where it actually has the opposite effect and will draw the object toward it. They figured out how to do this. And... Um, they're using acoustic examples as a way to follow the waves and everything. And um, anyway, I think it's exciting. They've they've got a whole bunch of biomedical uh, source or biomedical 
practices that they're ready to use. Like there are a whole bunch of people lined up. Like as soon as this thing's ready to go, we have ways to put it into practice. Oh, I have a way to put it into practice right now. (laughs) We're going to make a little device that fits around my wrist. (laughs) And we're going to have a lightsaber over on that table. And I'm going to go and reach out my hand and it's going to fly into my hand and it's going to be fracking awesome. What's awesome is that um, they figured out that this negative force depends um, in a very measurable way on the type of molecule they're trying to move and the size and the composition of it. So that's going to allow them to pick out exactly like when they're doing blood sample tests. Oh, that's cool. You know, and there's another it's like thing practical that, application. I know. Right now. And they figured out that when they do it, a lot of molecules will when they're being um, when this force is being exerted on them the molecules will start to arrange themselves in a line that makes the tractor beam stronger. Nice. Like automatically, that's the effect. So, yeah, we got our first, at the microscopic level, we got our first tractor beam. It uses the force? Is that what you're telling me? (laughs) I suppose, in a matter of speaking. It It is no different. Yeah, I'm... uh... I'm stoked about it. We've that. got a, la- a couple of last items we wanted to get in before we wrap up here. Uh, Sean, I know you had two quick... Uh... Uh, two quick things. Uh, Riddick is uh, shooting and doing good things and, and supposedly done, uh, but uh, we got another frame of Riddick riding a, a futuristic motorcycle. Nice. Uh, yeah, it's real cool. Oh, did, did you see the, the uh, Robocop? armor yeah there's another update on the yes. robot it is cool i'm is sorry cool. that's badass it's like a transformer type thing it's, it's super cool I don't, I don't know what people are smoking on that uh but uh also red 2 have you guys seen the trailer for that i didn't no, know that they were gonna make but the original one. one was so much fun yeah. <laughs> holy crap they, they are please let it have helen mirren with a, a turret again. oh yeah oh no it doesn't have helen mirren with a turret but it does have at least the trailer doesn't at this point but it does have helen mirren uh getting rid of a marked target in a full ball gown. <laughs> okay, that's awesome. It is. It is also got her like later on in like a couple shots later. I guess how she got rid of the. Dude, I'm in. Uh, has <laughs> Helen Mirren completely in a camoed out outfit and a, like a sniper's cap on and this giant sniper rifle out front <laughs> and Bruce Willis in a full ball gown. <laughs> <laughs> I could see that. It did have him in a suit or whatever, but it looks great. It's st- it's John Malkovich is just as funny. In this one, that was a great role for yeah. him. It was just because John Malkovich is weird, but you really don't want to see him get too Malkovichy. Uh, Malkovich? This this Malkovich? was the right line Malkovich? for yeah Malkovi or you know, but uh, this was the right line for him, and it's got him just doing so. so check out the trailer if you haven't seen it. Uh, it's it's amazing. But uh, I think Audra had one more. Uh, yeah, actually, just um. Fallen Crusader on Twitter had uh, sent a link to an article. It was really interesting about uh, a guy who he, he wrote this opinion piece about uh, marketing underwear to kids. And he has a five-year-old daughter. <laughs> yeah, just kind of in line. We've been talking a lot about um, like girls growing up geek, especially or, you know, little kids and, and especially how that affects boys and girls differently. And uh, with, the you know, the Disney princesses and all that. On my planet, underwear has princesses. <laughs> yeah, and this guy was saying that, uh, you know, he was taking his daughter to Target or whatever, and she needed underwear. And normally, you know, you just get a package with the characters on it, you know, a pack of six, and throw it in the basket, and you're good. And uh, she I'm just shopping with my daughter. Yeah, well, she noticed that the boys' uh, packs of underwear for her age group um, had a lot, for, you know, like bigger range of characters and Avengers and Toy Story and. Um, Legos and all kinds of stuff that she was interested in and the girls only had either Disney princesses or Hello Kitty now while there's nothing wrong with the girls uh, with Disney princesses or Hello Kitty that's all they had and and this guy's daughter was like like oh my god you're like I love Toy Story you know I love Legos can I get can I get the Star Wars underwear and um, it's a really interesting piece Um, I'll repost it on uh, on Twitter and on the GWC Facebook page, so oh, nice. can check it out. But yeah, the guy ends up uh, he ended up just letting his daughter get the boys' underwear, and he's like, you know, they the don't fit. Decision. Yeah, they don't. They don't Good fit call. exactly the right way. And but he's like, hey, no kids That's ever. It's really use- critical to a, a young kid. Yeah, he's like, no little boys ever use that flap anyway, and very few adults. And it doesn't really matter. You know, she's five and she loves the underwear because it's got the character she wants. So oh yeah. You know. Yeah, I don't see the real problem with that. In fact, there's no problem with that. <laughs> yeah, get them, I'm with you. Get them whatever it is they feel cool with, and and geek 
you know, geek power up, man. It's not a big deal. It is interesting, though. Um, I'll, I'll put the link up so you can check it out. But he, he has some really thoughtful commentary about how it starts so young that girls are basically given this very consistent, very broad, and, and in some ways subtle message that certain things are just not intended for them. Yeah. No, and, it is. And he has it a is. real problem with that, as do I. No, it happens to line up in some kids. Like, Squeak is very girly. <laughs> Very girly, and that's what she digs. But that's what she likes. That's what she likes. It's not like it's being forced on her. Yeah, exactly. In fact, my wife tries to go the other way and be like, wouldn't you rather have this? No, you know, she doesn't, and that's her decision, and that's fine, but she's always been that way. You know, it's not like anybody led her to it. We give her whatever I know. I remember even when she was just a few months old, she was reaching for things that were certain colors and- Yeah, oh yeah, pink, purple. You know. Yeah, I mean, as soon as she understood and saw Hello Kitty, that was what it was about. You know, so, yeah, but it goes the other way, too. It goes the other way, too. It's it doesn't really matter. Just I don't know. As far as I'm concerned, get your kid what they're into. <laughs> Hell, yeah. No, it doesn't really make no difference. We need to do a shout out. Um, we do indeed. Yeah. And Sean, I'll let you I'll let you take this because. Uh, well, our friend of the cast, Les, who I've talked to through email. Oh, yeah. And, we met him. Yeah, it's awesome. exactly. But over the last couple of years, he's been out and about uh, in the world and everything. And he's he just recently got back here, and we, we got an a email from him and said that there are fans of ours, or of the cast, uh, all over that he's seen, and, and some of them are actually servicemen and women, and which is no surprise because they're, you know, people. And uh, our podcast is heavily uh, influenced by people. people. <laughs> uh, so... Uh, he suggested that uh, there was a group of Marines who listen to the show, and, and they're uh, in-country uh, sometimes, so they don't exactly have uh, access to Internet or, or podcast downloadable stuff, so he just dropped off a bunch of podcasts of, of the show. I was blown had. away. You know, these in Afghanistan, he said that they had no Internet connection, and they were behind on their GWC podcasts <laughs> and asked if he could hook them up, so he, like, he gave, gave them, them the their laptop. Had. Yeah. You know, yeah, this is the ones I got, man. <laughs> Here you go. And uh, he said that they would be, they were a little hesitant, but were interested in coming to the meetup. Uh, and uh, if they could, if they were back in time, uh, they're stationed out in Camp Pendleton, I think, which is out in California, uh, and that they would be more than willing to drive to the podcast uh, or to the, the meetup this year if they were around and, and had leave to do it. And I uh, said, but they were a little hesitant, perhaps, if they would be welcomed or if they would fit in or, or anything. Like a lot of people, yeah. Would I would I fit in with this group? You know, if I show up, am I going to kind of stand out and am I going to end up hanging out by myself? I replied with, it would be a lot easier if they were hot aliens. Uh, but <laughs> as our hot alien attendants. That's has your been, standard reply to everybody. He has it on like a, <laughs> yeah. you know how it says, <laughs> are you a hot my, alien? Set for, set for my, my iPhone. iPhone. He has that in there instead. Yeah, or, or it would be better it's if you were a hot alien, you know, but uh, it's, it, as our hot alien attendance has been low, as far as we know, uh, as in zero, you will fit in the same as absolutely everybody else. Now we'd love to meet you guys. We would love to meet you. So. Uh, it would, uh, you'll, you'll fit in fine. If you listen to this show, you're obviously you're good. You're, you're good. <laughs> you know, you, you, you like, like to talk same, about this crap. You're good. You will fit in. It's not a problem. So you, how it works, you know, devil dogs, you are more than welcome. If you would like to attend, we will sure be here for you. Audrey, anything to say, wrap it up. Yeah. I just wanted to kind of tack onto that. I don't know at what point they'll get to hear this particular cast and the right. shout out, but I was just delighted and, and really kind of blown away and honored that, you know, that these, Absolutely. that these people are taking their time out when they've got so many important things to think about. And they're just like hanging with us on the audio. It just means a lot. So I hope that we uh, make it fun for you and I hope you continue to enjoy. Sean? What Audra said? Hell yes. It's very cool. Same here. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's very cool. The, the meetup uh, is is something, an experience that is different each time. And uh, it's gone through a bit of a revamp here, and we're pretty excited about it. So we would we look forward to anybody who comes. Uh, servicemen, uh, men and women, uh, geeks in general, I don't care really any age, you're welcome. And on that note, uh, I would just like to add that uh, the meetup is registration is going really well. It looks like we're looking at a similar size group to last year, if not larger. And uh, the uh, for those of you who may not have heard, the new location is awesome. 
Very cool. Uh, the Hotel Intercontinental in Dallas, beautiful place. Uh, really, a lot of service. A lot of man. This place is this place is too cool for all yeah. of us. And it's in, it's really in-house nice. Restaurants and yeah, it's sweet. Um, and the uh, the round tables we're putting together are coming on really nicely, and we're going to have some really cool experiences for you. Uh, it, events, some games. Absolutely. It's going to be a lot of fun. And one last little uh, notice, which is that there are only really a couple of rooms left in our block. Yeah. Uh, as of this morning, it may even be closed by the time you hear this. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised. Now, that does not mean if that happens, you can't stay in the hotel or you can't come. That just means that we've negotiated a discounted rate. Uh, that discounted rate closes off once that number is reached. So uh, bottom line is, if you're thinking about booking, uh, you probably want to call sooner rather than later. And uh, I, like I said, I wouldn't be surprised if by the time you hear this, even that that group is closed. If if it has, don't worry. If they tell you, hey, the, the block is, is closed, uh, you can book at the normal rates, which are not miserably bad. Uh, just the other ones are really fracking good because Sean is awesome. Uh, but... You can book at that rate, or you're welcome to stay somewhere else. Personally, uh, if you can, I would stay in the in well, the hotel since the damn events, near everything yeah, is happening. Yeah, everything is happening there. in this hotel, except one that's right next door, almost. Yeah, <laughs> so, so it's, like, it's you're going to want to be in the area. Hell yes, uh, and it's a good area for what it's worth. Oh, on yeah, top no, of that, so there's a lot of restaurants and stuff. A lot of good stuff. We're really looking forward to it, and uh, we'll see you next week. On behalf of everyone here at GWC, thanks for listening. And thanks to all who make GWC possible, including producers Soleil, forum moderators Badger Spoon, Pike, and Frack and Talos, GWC Book Club Maven, Casilda, and tech guru Juan Drew. Remember, if you'd like to share your opinions with the GWC crew and listeners, you can call us anytime at 214-296-9229, extension 701. You can also contact us via galacticwatercooler.com, our website and blog. But you should really spend some time over on the GWC forum. GWCers really are the friendliest people on sci-fi. And we're always re-watching or group reading something fun. You might even find a GWC meetup somewhere near you. GWC is funded by advertising and by listeners like you. For information on how you can donate, visit galacticwatercooler.com slash support. Finally, special thanks to Ferris and his friends Encoder and Jim Minadeo for GWC's sweet theme music. For more Encoder, visit them at myspace.com slash Encoder.